Welcome to the SDG Talks podcast, where we discuss all things around the sustainable development goals and the roadmap to 2030. We are your co-hosts, James and Kevin, here to take you along the SDG ride. We hope you enjoy today's SDG Talks podcast. I think we don't talk enough about the notion of courage, the notion of courage in entrepreneurship and the notion of courage more broadly in life. There's this quote that says that life begins at the end of your comfort zone. And it's one of those things where, you know, you can go through life comfortable. I actually think that comfort is a very dangerous thing. And it's funny because we're designing for it all the time, but I think it's very dangerous. But as soon as you get out of your comfort zone and therefore that you actually need to use courage, magic starts happening. SDG Talks community, welcome back. Today, we're going to hear from Gregory Pepper, who's an innovation design thinker, whose core experience is in creating programs around innovation and sustainability for early stage startups, ventures, corporates, NGOs, and universities. He leads Unleash Plus, which is a six-month pre-acceleration program for teams developing solutions to address the sustainable development goals. In this chat, we're going to talk about how to fuel the entrepreneurial spirit, what are some things that different change makers can do to get involved, how to leverage your network, and some great final thoughts around getting out of your comfort zone, working as a team, and learning to fail fast. Hope you enjoy and keep SDG talking. Greg, welcome to the SDG Talks podcast. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you. Thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure. So being a fellow aspiring entrepreneur, I've always admired some of the work that you do uh, yourself with your entrepreneurial endeavors, as well as fostering other entrepreneurial efforts. So give me some context on some of the work that you've done within your career as an entrepreneur, and, and what are some of the work that you're doing now within the Unleash framework to help inspire and foster other entrepreneurial endeavors? Yeah, sure. So I've actually mainly been supporting entrepreneurs. I've founded a company myself, mainly with activities between Geneva and Shenzhen, which I'll talk about in a few seconds. But actually, from the get-go, I joined an organization called Seedstars, which is essentially a venture builder for emerging markets. And back then in 2015, 2016, I was one of the two people running essentially Seedstars World's activities in Africa. So Seedstars World is a very, very large startup competition focusing on emerging markets and specifically in technology startups at an early stage. So less than 500k USD raised to date and less than two years in operation. And back then already was essentially organizing these pitch competitions in about 15 countries around Africa. So really from Ethiopia, Uganda, South Africa, Botswana, Angola, Nigeria, Ghana, Ivory Coast, you name it. So we really went all around the continent. And then, of course, each time, you know, going there physically. And I think, um, you know, that was both an amazing experience, but also a huge eye-opener for me to really see the amazing solutions that were being built by really outstanding people all around the world. And just seeing how, how we could play a role in supporting that and in making connections and in, you know, shining light on people and actually showing what they're doing, how amazing it actually is, and, and giving them the right sort of exposure to take that further. So that's something I started doing quite early on. As time moved on, I actually also then moved to, to essentially running Seed Space, which is a network of co-working spaces in the Seed Stars group. And uh, 
in itself was essentially an entrepreneurial activity. I wasn't the founder myself, but I was put in charge of running it within the group. And there was very much around, you know, how do you work with networks? So essentially decentralized groups of people who are doing something very similar, which is creating physical spaces to support entrepreneurs around the world and find ways of, of connecting them, finding ways of creating opportunities between them and that link them together. And then, of course, being an entity in, in itself, which was a startup, also finding how to monetize that. And so, you know, running very, various tests, trying out different models and seeing how to, how to monetize also this, this network and create real win-win situations between all of us. And essentially, as, as time moved on, I think I had this fascination, of course, for, for technology and I think just seeing how also people within developing nations who have, I think, very different challenges to what I might have, for example, right now in Switzerland, how they're using technology today uh, how they're using innovative approaches to solve those problems and where they can be also sharing of the knowledge gained by doing that. And so I think as time moved on, as much as I see tremendous value in technology, I also just wanted to see the whole sustainability side of this entrepreneurial movement stronger and bigger. I think I was always you know, seeing some really amazing solutions, your MCOPA Solar, your B-Box you know, Zipline and, and a variety of solutions. I actually don't know if Zipline was already existing back then, but just really inspiring solutions of, you know, how they were using technology for social and environmental issues. But when I was on the continent, I think that I was maybe slightly disappointed to see how many were actually solving those types of challenges. Mm. And I think that was just naive of me, to be honest. I think back then I, I thought that, you know, creating an e-commerce platform in Nigeria was not that useful for the for the environment or for people themselves but in fact if it creates a lot of employment and in fact it creates a lot of opportunities for people then, then maybe it does but nonetheless I had the ambition of moving more towards the state sustainability sphere and uh, so i joined unleash early last year and the main role i had there was to essentially build up our pre-acceleration program called unleash plus and uh, maybe this is a good moment to quickly pause and, and just explain what unleash is for the yeah. people who are listening and don't know. Yeah, and to that point, even elaborating on the whole purpose of Unleash, of how it's connecting these different people with the right, the right resources, the right space, the right ideas. And, and the way I kind of think of it too is it's almost like gardening in a sense where you need to provide the, the right kind of dirt, the right kind of sunlight, or just the right amount of water to really make something grow. And it's not just to sell something, but it's actually to bring value. So that's kind of some of the lessons learned I got from Unleash. But yeah, I've coming from a, a man from the secretary himself. I'd love if you could give us a little down on what is, what is Unleash and, and kind of what is this new Unleash Plus effort that exists now? Sure. I like that analogy of, of gardening a lot. And I think, um, do you know about permaculture? I do. Yeah. So I think it would be within gardening, it would be the permaculture approach as much as possible. And what I mean by that is in permaculture, you try and have different species of plants live next to each other and create some forms of symbiosis so they can support each other. And I think that's very much also what, what happens in our niche is not just providing the soil and the fertilizer and the water. It's actually putting the, the species, let's say, of plants next to each other that can really help each other grow. But so I'll get back to that. So Unleash is essentially a global innovation lab for the UN Sustainable Development Goals. It was founded in, in 2017. And essentially since then has been 
convening a thousand young talented people every year to get together with their minds and hearts together to create new solutions to address the SDGs. And so it's a thousand people that come together in a given city. It was Copenhagen in 2017, Singapore 2018, and Shenzhen in 2019. And uh, essentially go through a bit more than a week long innovation process supported by really world-class facilitators who help them move through different phases of what you would often see in sort of design thinking or innovation design spheres. So it's really moving from framing a problem, understanding it in depth, and spending quite a lot of time on that to make sure that you're not starting to solve something that doesn't need to be solved in the first place or it's not a problem. And then moving into an idea, coming up with lots of ideas, ideating, moving into some form of prototype to creating a sort of basic version and especially a version that can be tested of that solution and then finding ways to present that to an audience that could further support those, those, those solutions. In the main Unleash program, so the one I've just described, most teams end up with a very basic prototype and essentially um, an idea or a concept that they could take forward. I think one of the main elements of Unleash which makes it very valuable and uh, very meaningful also as an experience and then as a community is the people themselves. And I really think that when you see the people that join together and then that also get to know each other over the course of that time, you know, you often have teams of people where in a given team, you'll have a woman from Manila in the Philippines and you'll have a man from Nairobi in Kenya, someone from DC in the States, another woman from Quito in Ecuador and maybe me from, from Geneva in Switzerland. And, and just creating these, these bonds and these connections with people that have similar mindsets, similar values, and similar outlook towards the world and, and, and some of the problems we're facing, I think is a hugely empowering and, and powerful thing, powerful feeling also to, to experience. And of course, that then remains. I think um, you know, we see it across all the channels where the community is active. It's just amazing to see how people can then keep going and supporting each other and, and helping each other as, as they develop and they grow in their careers and in their lives more, more broadly. So definitely, you know, Innovation Lab, yes, we're creating new solutions, new ideas, but also we're also creating this global community of people that I think is, is, is really impressive to see together. And I think even more so during the, the actual event of Unleash itself, where the amount of energy that you see at the event to me is just, uh, it's just breathtaking. Yeah, it's um, really contagious. I mean, that was one one of the biggest things I took away was the magic in the room by bringing together that many passionate people. While I, I did love that, one thing that I'm interested in your thoughts is how to, like we hear this word change maker. And while it may be a little cliche, there, there are definitely a contingency of people that really care about trying to make themselves, those around them, the world a better place. But how do we go about not just inspiring every single unleasher of all the 3000 that exist in the network, but how to go about inspiring some of those aspiring quote unquote change makers or people that are interested in trying to get involved with the SDGs. What would you say to someone that's trying to get involved and trying to help those who are pursuing the, the SDG 2030 roadmap? So you're saying outside of Unleash and yeah. someone like just generally who's, who's interested? Yeah, I mean, someone, that, I mean you, someone who's interested or, you know, or even inside Unleash, but I, I think kind of to the, the general population as well of how do we continue to inspire and foster future change makers? 
I think it's a very good question. I think two things. One is, is I think generally keeping informed and keeping ourselves open to what's actually happening in the world is, is the first element of what I would say. I think it's quite easy, at least for me, you know, I can go through moments where I'll watch a documentary, I'll read a report, I'll see something and I'll, I'll be slightly shocked and, uh, and then I'll have to take action. And then you kind of get back into your habits and then maybe you, you lose a bit of that interest. And I think just as an active or even activated individual, and by activated, I mean who's actually looking out at the world and thinking constantly about their environment and about society and about what might happen in the future, is just keeping informed and, and content continuously thinking about, you know, are the way things are the way they should be or could be? And how can we even start approaching that? And then the second part of my answer would be that it is really possible to, to create solutions and it is really possible to do that with a lot of open source and a lot of available tools out there. And I think, you know, it's something that you, you probably hear quite a lot if you talk to anyone who kind of runs capacity builder programs or even entrepreneurs. It's this notion that in most cases, you don't actually need funding at first when you're building a solution. So the first thing that someone will tell you if they've got an idea is, oh, I need X hundred thousand dollars to take, you know, to get it going, or I need a million now and then I can do it. But more often than not, what you really need is to understand the problem that you're looking at, finding the most basic way of solving it, or at least even if you have a complex idea of how to solve it, how to break that down into something simple that you can start testing. You know, we talk a lot about assumptions because we're always making assumptions. We're making assumptions about the problems that people are facing. We're making assumptions about the beliefs of the people that are facing that problem. We make assumptions about the response they might have to a solution. We, we make assumptions about the, the capacity we have as people to even build that solution. But the quicker and the easier you can start developing simplified solutions or simplified versions of your final solution and getting them in the hands or at least in front of the eyes of your users, the quicker you can start actually bettering it and really understanding what needs to be made to solve a given problem. So I think that's, you know, both of those things, you know, keeping on our kind of staying on our toes, remaining very active and proactive and, and looking for, for, for challenges and, and seeking knowledge, but then also having a bit of courage in actually a lot of courage in going out there and then trying to actually test something. You know, it doesn't have to be some blockchain-based machine learning future thing. It can just, you know, even if you're going to help someone, suppose with COVID now it's a bit more challenging, but even if you're helping someone in the neighbor, you know, a neighbor of yours who needs to get food and because they're elderly, they can't access the supermarket in an easy way. Like that's, that's making a change, you know? So I think I would say have a, have a bias towards action and towards trying. Yeah. That. I couldn't agree more. And I, I, I do think a lot of times people get stuck at the starting line thinking they need a bunch of money or thinking that they need to develop some crazy widget or some service but innovation comes in a lot of different shapes and sizes. And I think that was one of my biggest takeaways from Unleash where it can be a new a packaging, something that already exists and making it accessible in a way that wasn't accessible to a, an existing population. Mm. Um, you know, there, that's, that's one small example, but I, I really enjoyed the now kind of bringing it back to Unleash, the Unleash plus COVID hack. And I know that Unleash now has, has had to, adapt and we're not able to get a thousand people in the same room in 2020, you know, maybe 2021 will be different, but give me some context on sort of the whole movement to online gatherings of people 
from the initial lesson learned from the COVID hack and then sort of what's the, the rest of 2020 look with bringing people together to, to help foster these different innovation efforts? Yeah, so absolutely. So it is currently a challenge to, to gather many people in the same room, especially flying from all around the world. And so indeed, I think, um, as you mentioned, we piloted already back in March, end of March, this, this hack for COVID-19 online. And we essentially organized a hack that happened simultaneously across uh, six time zones. And all of this was actually run by our alumni that formed organizing teams, which we call OTs, uh, the initials of organizing teams. And essentially, these OTs were then running hacks in their time zone. And then each of them had 50 plus participants that were looking at addressing some of the indirect and direct challenges that are caused by by COVID-19. That actually comes or happened in in parallel with a program that we were preparing to launch, which is essentially the Unleash Hacks. And so actually for us, it was also very interesting learning on on how we could even run these hacks online and what kind of tools can can actually enable a hack to happen in, in a more meaningful and productive way. There's been a lot of these hackathons online happening. And I think that there's at least two elements that I think worked well in, in what we did. The first is that all the facilitators that were participating in that hack previously facilitated at Unleash. So there was a, a common understanding of a way to formulate and create a solution to challenges and to move along that innovation process I mentioned earlier. And the second thing is we were also using this tool called Miro, M-I-R-O, which you know, there's a few of these options now where essentially you have these virtual whiteboards which allow you to collaborate in really effective and visual ways online. And I think that's also something which is you know, small but powerful because both the team itself understands it, you know, they understand each other better within the team, but also for anyone external, so a facilitator or an expert or even potentially a judge at some point, coming in to understand what the team's doing can just understand so much faster and also be of, of more use and, and support much faster. So I went very much into the details there of the COVID-19 hack, but maybe a, a zoom out into like Unleash 2020. So we will now be running these hacks in... Um, so we've got 17 organizing teams that are now running these first Unleash hacks around the world this year. It's covering about 15 countries in total going from Dominican Republic to Singapore, Italy, US, and the Andes, both Ecuador and Bolivia coming together to to do a hack. But there's 15 countries represented in total. And each one of these hacks will be focusing on a specific SDG in a specific country or specific region, and also will therefore be welcoming external participants, so people that didn't participate previously in Unleash, to be part of these hacks and to form teams over a weekend and to look at how to address problems within the selected SDG or even within sub-themes within that SDG. And I think what's really interesting about this approach is that the model that was being used for Unleash and then really, I think, strong methodology that's been developed and refined over the years is now being decentralized and starting to look at solving problems in a much more local context. And to me, I think that's really interesting because as we move forward, of course, this year we've got 17 hacks with on average about 50 participants. So I think that my math is not too bad. I think that's 850 people that will be going through these hacks this year. But the way we're looking at it in the secretariat 
is how can we develop kits and playbooks and materials and templates and everything that an OT, so an organizing team, will need to run one of these hacks. So this year we do 17, and maybe next year we do 50, and the year after we do 100 or 200 of these hacks, and seeing how we can actually really scale the empowerment, let's say, that you can get through Unleash that we were discussing earlier. So meeting like-minded people, using a very, I think, strong methodology, and actually starting to address problems and, and move from the thinking to the doing, I suppose. And yeah, I mean, it's in simple terms of building more permaculture farms around the world to enable all this different interconnectivity. And I know COVID has thrown this monkey wrench into all our lives, but we can't sit here and, and just complain and do nothing. But I appreciate you and the Unleash organization using this as a pivot. Uh, I hope that we can continue to find ways to go back in person, but COVID shouldn't be a reason why we actually stop innovating. If anything, it should be a catalyst. And I feel like that's what's happening right now with the work that you're leading and Unleash leading. So I, I thank you for that. And I kind of want to close out here with sort of some final thoughts from you of from an Unleash perspective or, or generally about innovation or anything. What, what are some final thoughts and words of wisdom from Greg today about paying it forward or innovating or entrepreneurship that you can leave us all with here today? Um, yeah, thanks. I, I appreciate the question. I think two or three things that come to mind for me. I think the first thing is that I think we don't talk enough about the notion of courage, the notion of courage in entrepreneurship and the notion of courage more broadly in life. There's this quote that says that life begins at the end of your comfort zone. And it's one of those things where you know, you can go through life comfortable. I actually think that comfort is a very dangerous thing. And it's funny because we're designing for it all the time, but I think it's very dangerous. But as soon as you get out of your comfort zone and therefore that you actually need to use courage, magic starts happening. You know, if you think of, of anything from meeting the partner that you might want to spend your life with and, you know, going to talk to him or her in the street or in a bar or even on an app if you want to, you know, that takes courage going from an idea to presenting something to a potential client takes courage. It'll be scary. You know, your heart rate will likely go up. Your, your palms will probably be sweaty. I mean, like everything will happen where you will not be comfortable. But on the other side of that, you know, once you've gone through that discomfort, it's amazing how much you're going to grow. And it's amazing how much literally I think your, your life increases. You know, I think your life increases or decreases depending on the courage you put into it. So that's the first thing I'd say is like, as much as possible, I think in, in all aspects of life, it's important that we kind of give ourselves these mini shocks and be like, Hey, am I actually being too comfortable right now? And do I feel like I'm growing? And do I feel like I'm using that, that courage to develop myself and potentially, and hopefully develop others? So I think that would be the first thing. The second thing I would say is, um, one thing that we've seen be very challenging within the development of any solution, you know, be it like very tech or be it very sort of SDG focused or both, it's so important that teams that are building solutions are very well aligned and are able to understand each other and really know what each of the team members' expectations and ambitions are. It's so interesting to see that you've got teams that 
for a long period of time will avoid having the hard discussions, you know, like who owns what, or do we even own this? You know, do we want to have it open source? Do we want to own this? You know, what are roles? What are responsibilities? You know, and, and are we happy with the way this is going? And some crazy number, like 85% of startups fail because the, the founding team doesn't get along well. So somewhat, you know, interestingly, it's, it's linked to the first point too, is that you need to also have that courage as soon as possible with your team to talk about the things that are un uncomfortable because you're not going to get anywhere if the team that's carrying your solution doesn't actually want to build the solution together. And it's a huge waste of resources for everyone. You know, if it's from the team itself and of course their time that they're investing to capacity builders, to funders, to your family for that matter, because you're probably not spending time with them if you're building something. So, so yeah, I think that's, that's the second point I would have is just, you know, of course, have empathy, like try to understand people and not just, you know, dominate with your points of view. But on the other hand, having the courage to talk, have those hard discussions early. And the last and final point is just about that, uh, that notion of testing things quickly. And there's really, there's many platforms that you can look at that can help you in, in, in prototyping. And even like, if you just Google prototyping software solution or prototyping hardware solution, I mean, on software, there's, there's a range of tools that can help you do UX mockups from like Sketch app to Glide. And there's a lot of different tools there that can just help you do mockups. There's even, I think it was called Keynotopia. It was a, a system that allowed you to do app or software or platform mockups on, on Keynote and in a really cool way and actually really quite interactive. And then if you look at hardware, I mean, it's the same thing. You've got this whole open source world where you can get these microcontrollers like Raspberry Pis and Arduinos. And these are essentially like mini computers that you can then use to, to start building anything in the hardware space. And, and so much is available online to learn from. Like, you know, anyone, and I, and I really have no lessons to give in software development because I'm pretty useless at it. But you can learn anything or at least a lot online, you know, navigating GitHub and YouTube and so on. And same goes for, for hardware. And same goes even if you want to launch a campaign for something. You know, you can probably find a course on Coursera for free that'll teach you how to run a really strong marketing campaign. So I think there's just, and again, somewhat linking to that first comment of, of courage, but having that courage to go ahead and first of all, find ways of building an idea in a simple way and a quick way and try to test that as soon as possible. And I think everything's out there. It's just up to us to be courageous and resourceful. Love and, it. And go out to look for it. So a lot of amazing takeaways from the whole chat, but even here at the end from life beginning at the end of your comfort zone, having those uncomfortable conversations and fail fast. Exactly. Some, some great takeaways and great, just spin fire here this whole interview. I really appreciate your time and all your insights today. And I know from the SDG Talks community and the Unleashed community, we thank you for all your contributions to all things SDGs. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Take Thank care. Pleasure to chat to you, Kevin. Thanks for listening to the SDG Talks podcast. Make sure to check out all the show notes for relevant links from this show. Please share and follow SDG Talks on social media and stay tuned for updates from the Unleash and United Nations community. The goal of the SDG Talks is to bring you good content. So if you want to learn about something specific or have suggestions, please let us know. We look forward to seeing you next time on SDG Talks.